0: Hey everyone, welcome back to an all new edition of the 20% podcast, the podcast that brings you tips and tricks from industry professionals across all industries that you can implement in your current job today. Today's guest is Andrea Waltz. She's currently the co-author of the best-selling book, Go for No. She's also a keynote speaker and was named one of 25 sales experts you should follow on Twitter, as well as one of the top 65 women business influencers. Andrea truly believes that yes is the destination and no is how we get there. Her book has been a number one Amazon sales and sales bestseller, which has remained in the top 50 sales books for the last 10 years and has over 1,000 five-star reviews. Andrea is a short book advocate and is the founder of Success in 100 Pages, where their mission is to produce books with a targeted purpose that gets happily written by authors and enthusiastically read by readers. This interview was nothing short of incredible. We discussed so many incredible topics, ranging from how every problem is solved with communication, how to go for no, and how more no's lead to more yeses, don't be a know-it-all, success in 100 pages, and much more. Please enjoy this conversation with Andrea Waltz. So how did you overcome, I mean, obviously in the speaking business, how did you overcome uh, a lot of those issues that you faced? I mean, that's scary. (laughs)
1: yeah it it it, well it was um luckily you know my husband and i so we've been in business for 20 years um we launched our company back in 1998 um we were working both working for lens crafters had good corporate jobs, um, the whole thing. And he convinced me that we needed to quit and launch our own training company because there was a lot of things that we were teaching that uh, we knew that we could go out successfully and teach other organizations and get paid twice or three times you know, the money. Um, and so, uh, so, yeah, we're used to a certain amount of uncertainty, but the other thing that we've learned along the way is that it's really important to have multiple streams of income. And so, luckily, we've designed our business in such a way that it's not. While speaking is definitely a big part of that income stream, um, you know, we we publish books for ourselves and other people. We um, uh, so we have a lot of a lot of revenue over there, and then having the online course and and things like that. So, uh, so we just we kind of just pivoted actually, and um, we were actually able to do a couple projects that we had been just putting off because we just never had the time. And then right. all of a sudden pandemic hits and you, you've got plenty of time.
0: Right, that's an awesome story. Well, I'm glad that you were able to to, to spin around. And it's so funny that doing all these interviews for the book, which I'm really excited to jump into. I hear yeah. more and more about the importance of multiple revenue streams. Like right now I'm just in in sales. I'm, I've been three years into technology sales. So that's my only, and besides like my wife's income as well. Sure. We don't have any of those extra revenue streams yet. Um, so that's another important thing that I'm, I'm excited to, to kind of jump into a little bit as well. So just to give you a really, really quick background, and thank you so much for taking some time to chat with me. Um, I'm writing my first book right now. Um, so it's to give you a little bit of a background, I studied exercise physiology in college. Picking my major, I literally picked it sitting on my parents' couch, not knowing what I wanted to do. Not knowing, mm-hmm. you know, even when I went through my, I, I did my bachelor's and my master's because they gave me a graduate wow. assistant position. Nice. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get some research. I'm going to do some um, some professional speaking and get what, not engagements, but uh, conferences. Yeah. So I got some good experience, but then when it was time to graduate, didn't know what we wanted to do. My wife and I wanted to start a family. So instead of going to get a PhD, I went into sales. I went into technology sales. So I've been here for the past three years so I say I fell into sales. Mm-hmm. But it's been the best fall that I've ever had because of all of the skills that you learn in sales. I mean, no matter what you're doing, you're always selling. So now this kind of leads into where I want to write my book. So as I fell into sales, I want to help people sit like, cause there's such a negative stigma to sales too. You mm-hmm. know, when I thought, when I was in college, I thought, oh, sales, I can never do that. There's just used car salesmen oh, or saleswomen, mm-hmm. right? Like, they, like, Totally. There's shifty, shady, always trying to get something, but that's not the profession. There's a lot of people who do it wrong, but there's also a lot of people like yourself and Larry Levine and and, uh, Victor Antonio, Lori Richardson, like all of these people who are doing it well. So, so I want to tell a story, Um, the working title that I have is all roads lead to sales, how the skills that you learn in sales lay the foundation for a successful life. So that's kind of what I'm working at right now. I did, I was going to say successful career, but mm-hmm. I switched it to life because sales skills are life skills. So, mm-hmm. and I'm super passionate about it. Uh, so to give you, you know way more about the book writing process. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited to, to kind of ask for your advice around some of that stuff too. Yeah, I'm in the preliminary stages of, I have this idea. I, I want to kind of intertwine my story of kind of falling into sales with, here's all of the skills that you learn in sales
1: mm-hmm. and, how,
0: and, and have it backed with the top professional, top sales professionals in the entire world. So um, I'm bringing in a lot from a credibility standpoint. You know, I, I talked to Victor Antonio yesterday who was incredible. Um, you know, I said Lori Richardson before. Yeah. I've talked to a, a number of a lot of the outbound speakers, um, James Muir, mm-hmm. um, you know, a ton of people. So it's been great to talk to them. And now all I have is just these interviews. I'm recording them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be taking them as micro content to put onto my podcast so I could help share the book writing journey with people and sharing these interviews so that hopefully I could gain, um, kind of have that as like a, almost like a a marketing kind of promoting people jumping on this journey and then get my book once I'm done with it. Right.
1: Um, And
0: also to promote you guys as well for, for helping me along this journey. Um, with the micro content. So that's kind of a a rough area of what I want to do. So currently, I'm in this interview stage, I've been going crazy doing all of these interviews trying to really figure out, you know, I have this idea, but it's not like I'm not in concrete of what I want to do. It's flexible, but I think people are doing a pretty good job of, uh, of kind of honing in on some of that. So I have three main questions that I've been asking everybody just from a sales perspective. Then I want to jump into some of the public, the publishing side of things. As you mentioned, that's you know uh, another specialty that you have. So the first question that I'm asking everyone is, why do you believe someone should start their career in sales or hold a sales job at some point? And then what skills will they come out as a result?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. You know, I kind of had a start really similar to you um, in that I was in college, I got a bachelor's Um, Degree in criminal justice, and I uh, fully wanted to go into that. And I was starting to learn more and more about it as as I was starting to get close to graduation. And was told basically, hey, there's just a couple positions. So really, if you really want to be a crime scene investigator, um, just join as an intern, basically work for free. Maybe do that for a few years, and then you can see what happened. after going through school, like without a break from high school to college, I was, I had absolutely no interest in working for free. You know, I, um, and in the meantime, I, I was working, um, as a salesperson at Lens Crafters almost full time. So, um, and, and without this having a position to go into, uh, Lens Crafters was like, Hey, we will promote you into, um, assistant manager and you can work your way up. And I just thought, yeah, I mean, over here, yes, I got my degree in this, but there's just no jobs and I have no interest, you know, just no interest in waiting around for a few years, hoping maybe to get a, get the position I want. So, um, so I joined, I continued my career with Lens crafters and worked my way up and um, being a- and I had been in retail sales. So my my experience throughout high school and college was in retail. And I loved selling because and totally believe that sales, uh, that everybody should be in sales. It is a, a unique experience. Um, you, you really learn how to problem solve, how to listen, how to deal with people, how to communicate. It's all those skills that, you know, I I think school is great to kind of hopefully help you learn how to think. Um, Although these days, I think they just basically tell you what to think, but um, (laughs) different subject. Um, But to, you know, to have those critical thinking skills, sales really makes you think on your feet. I mean, you have to just get good at, at um, solving problems right there and then than for people. And that's really what I loved about it and still love about it. And even when I launched my own company and then was thrown into B2B sales, because here I was like this business selling to companies and selling to large companies, uh, you know, a lot of it was very, you know, the same. You you have to, you're solving problems, you have to think on your feet, and you just get really good at being, um, you you learn that most problems are created by poor communication or lack of communication.
0: Wow. That is so important. And, and I think communication, it, the more interviews that I do, I think communication and problem solving are two are like the two gold stars of what's what you're doing. Um, Instead are the top two skills skills that you are learning, but literally, and this is where I, I try to tie everything back, like problem solving and communication. You're doing those every single day, mm-hmm. no matter what you're doing. So learning this stuff early. And as it sounds like you did in the retail space too. Um, and I think you're, you you might have been reading some of my questions below because I wanted to ask a little bit further of, um, this is usually the third question I ask, but do you have any stories from some of your first jobs, whether it was in serving tables or, or sales? You, you mentioned a lot of, about retail, Yeah, you learned skills from sales and may, may not have realized how crucial they were at that time.
1: Yeah. Well, I, Um, I mean, I learned a couple things. One uh, one of the lessons was just learning um, not to be a (laughs) know-it-all. And and sometimes I think in sales, we get, at least I did, sometimes too good and too confident. And people need to be taken through the consultative problem-solving process. And here's what I mean by that. I used to get so good at my job at Lens Crafters fitting, selling people glasses that someone could walk in and, and just by looking at their face, I knew exactly, and I was aware of all of our inventory, right? So out of 1,200 potential frames sitting in our store, I knew probably the one or two that would be perfect for this person, the color, the size, the shape, based on the shape of their face, based on the fit, everything. Like I knew it immediately and I could walk them over and I used to say, I have the perfect thing for you. Walk them over and put this frame on their face and it would be perfect, right? Because I was so, I just got inside so much knowledge and so much experience at this that it became easy. The problem is, is that to the customer, it's not that easy. (laughs) It shouldn't be that easy. You see what they wanted was me to actually Um, be a consultant, which means that a good consultant is to ask questions, right? Um, Ask good questions and make recommendations and and consult and even still come to the same conclusion, but to really for them to feel understood. I think people want to feel understood. They don't just want you to throw out solutions without... You know having that dialogue and having that consultation even though it's like we're gonna get there i know we're gonna get to the same place and so that was a really important lesson was just some just not to be that know-it-all where you know you 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 have to kind of show people like there's a process and take them through it slowly, even if you're going to reach that same conclusion. Does that make sense?
0: A hundred percent. And it's so funny. When I was talking to Victor Antonio yesterday, he kind of mentioned the same thing too, of like, you just need to slow down and try to not cut as many corners because people think that you're, you know, for those exact same reasons that you mentioned. So that's really, I a hundred percent understand where you're coming from. And, mm-hmm. and that's crucial advice too. I mean, just thinking about where I, where I am too, or just you don't want to try to cut people off or finish people's sentences, even though you know what they're going to be saying. And that's kind of sounds like where you're getting at. Right.
1: Exactly. Like, don't worry about it. I know exactly what you need here. I'm going to give it to you. And it's like, wait, 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 slow down. Um, Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you need to ask, okay, what, what are you thinking may be a good fit? Why do you need new glasses? What's the main driver to getting these glasses? Not just, this is it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Why do you believe that sales skills are the foundation to a successful career or a successful life?
1: Well, when you look at most, um, when you look at most problems in life, uh, again, this comes back down to communication. I, I talk about this with my husband all the time. It, it just seems like every problem in business, every problem in life is solved by clearly articulating um and having that honest communication, um, being authentic. And also one of my favorite things that we teach really as part of the go for no mindset is to not make assumptions and really big communication problem. I, I think we have in personal relationships and in business relationships and in sales, it's just making those assumptions. Right. And so when you uh, are learning to sell and you're learning that you need to listen, slow down, ask questions, challenge your assumptions. Like when I say, this will be ready next week, what does that person hear? I may be saying it's ready next week. And to me, that also includes Friday afternoon. The customer's thinking that means noon on Monday. Not, Not necessarily, right? So we have to work on that clarity so that those skills are they are absolutely life skills um 100
0: yeah absolutely too and it's so uh, i i'm excited to kind of dive in a little bit further um just just kind of spitballing of of ideas from like diving into some like communications is obviously going to be a core module in the book but trying to dive into like what are the what are some of the root causes? and this is just me spitballing brainstorming as it's coming along like what are the negative consequences of bad communication you know, like maybe you could, I could, maybe I could tie it back to like divorce rates in this country or like uh, whatever other causes of bad communication. Like this could be solved by being better at communicating. How do you get better at communicating? I'm not saying sales causes less uh, divorces, but like just thinking of how can, com- how can, com- how those some of those negative things from bad communication. Right. You need for that. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you think about it, um, so many pro- I think so many problems would be avoided um, in life. But also, too, you know, uh, another skill that I just thought of while you were, t- while you were bringing that up is, you know, um, learning how to uh, deal with rejection, which is kind of my specialty. Yep. And, you know, this, co- this sales stigma that you were talking about, about, and, and I love that you're dealing with this, because um, I'll never forget being in a trade show once, and and it was a trade show for um, sales and marketing, and I was talking to one of the other vendors there. We were a vendor there, and the guy said, uh, he said, what do you do? And I said, well, we have a program called go for no We help people reprogram the way they think about, you know, failure and rejection and sales, and he said, oh yeah, and this is a vendor. He said, yeah, I, I I could never be in sales. Like, I just can't deal with the rejection. (laughs) And I just thought, wow, like you are in sales, by the way. (laughs) You're a vendor at a sales conference.
0: Right. You're selling right now.
1: (laughs) You're selling right now. But beside that, that's the perception is... The perception is the sales is kind of sleazy that you have to be that salesy, aggressive salesperson. And also, oh, it's really painful because there's all that rejection. So I think that's another really important life lesson. And it really goes to that communication of, there's that fear and hesitation that we're gonna say something to someone, maybe upset them or or hurt the relationship. Even if the relationship is just this quick sales transaction, we want people to like us. Um, It's a little bit easier, I think, when we're in a relationship with, like, our significant other because we know they're not going to leave us just because they say, no, I don't want Italian tonight for dinner, right? That's like, that's like getting a safe no.
0: Which, by the way, that's some of the toughest sales that you have to do, trying to, trying to sell on what you're going to eat for dinner.
1: Right, right. Convince your, yeah, convince your person, convince your person, like, yes, Chinese food would be amazing tonight. Come on, let's do it. So, uh, but at the same time, you know, we have all of these fears that come up. And so I think that's totally interrelated to communication because it comes back to um, wanting to protect ourselves and not wanting to be necessarily vulnerable and not wanting to be rejected by someone. Um, and so we learn in sales like, hey, it, the, if you don't make assumptions, if you're honest, if you ask a lot of questions, this solves so much heartache down the, down the road. And when you get good at that, I think it infuses that into your other relationships.
0: Absolutely. And one quick question too, on the rejection, because I know that this is where you said your specialty is, how do you overcome? Because so many people are afraid of that rejection. What's the best way of overcoming rejection besides just getting your teeth absolutely kicked in? Like, is there any other ways that you can practice this?
1: Um, so the whole premise of what we teach is to get your teeth kicked in day after day after day. Yep. <laughs> you know, that is fundamentally like the go for no philosophy is is actually about intentionally increasing your failure rate. So it is about intentionally hearing no more often. And there's a story that um, we actually tell in our book, uh, go for no, which is, you uh, where my husband started in his retail career and he was selling suits for a living. And the guy came in and he bought $1,100 worth of clothing and his district manager watched this great sale. And at the end of it, my husband said, "You know, that was a great sale, right? And the district manager said, yeah, but can I ask you, what did that customer say no to? And my husband said, what do you mean that? What do you mean, what did he say no to? I I sold him like a suit and all sport coat, it was $1,100. And then his district manager said, Um, yeah, we know what he said yes to. What did he say no to? And then my husband had to admit, he didn't say no to anything, actually. Everything I laid in front of this guy, he purchased. And then the district manager said, well, then how did you ever know he was done? And the reason he knew he was done was that he actually had hit his mental spending limit. That $1,100 was kind of like his cap for, hey, this 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 is a lot of money. It's more money than I would spend this customer's got to be done, right? I've got to, I've got to ring him up. And and that's exactly what he did. And uh, the district manager even said, you know where the customer is right now? And my husband, Richard said, no, where? And he goes, he's at the other end of the mall spending the rest of the money you wouldn't let him spend here with us. <laughs> so, you know, the whole idea of go for no is don't Don't end the sale, the customer, let the customer end the sale. That um, no is, you know, perfectly acceptable answer. And if you hear it throughout a sale, or if you hear it when you're prospecting um, and you're making calls, uh, it's just part of the process. And actually, the more no's you hear, ultimately, the more yeses you have the opportunity of getting as well.
0: I love that philosophy. I've kind of, I hate to say that I I kind of um, embrace objection or, uh, yeah, embrace objection or or failures, but I I think I've, over time, I think I've built the grit muscle up enough to where, okay, no sweat off my back. It is what it is. There's plenty of other people that are going to say yes. So um, I I totally agree with that. I'm I'm really interested. I got to, I got to check out your book as well. Getting into the book side of things now, you said that you published in books. I know we have a couple more minutes left. Um, I'd love to talk one. I mean, what are your thoughts on this idea of kind of where I'm at? Where do you think you would take it? And also, what do you think a good next step is of, I know that this is a lot, but um, okay. because I'm I'm in the just, I'm gathering the information right now. My yeah. initial thoughts are I'm going to take this and I'm going to summarize it and then start to figure out what the most common Big rocks are essentially right. Like I mentioned, Mm -hmm. communication, problem solving. Those two I know are going to be, you know, one A and one B probably, but trying to get some of the other ones. I think that I may want to do it as like a playbook to where people don't need to read the whole book if they don't want to. This is just Mm -hmm. thoughts initially. I have no idea how I'm going to do this because I'm in this stage of it. But what are right? Knowing what you know about what I'm trying to do, I mean, what recommendations would you provide?
1: Well, first of all, let me just say you're doing the right thing, which is just gather gather and interview and ask the questions that you have prepared, knowing that at the end you can sort out the content without you know having it be perfect. And also kind of like you, it's funny having a book first of all is so it's such a smart smart move in fact when we launched our business we the very first book we wrote was a little 64 page book called unlocking the secrets of retail magic because we knew that the people that we wanted to hire us would read that book and they would go like oh i love it um so we're really fans of um short books in fact uh, a couple of years ago and i'm not saying you have to do a short book but uh, a couple of years ago we actually wrote We've, we've done so many books now, we wrote a book called The Million Dollar Book Formula, and we have 13 ingredients in that book that we've laid out that, through, an, through the analysis of our own books, what made some of our books and not sell, and what made other books sell really well, and what are the differences, and mm-hmm. went through those, those 13 ingredients. Um, the biggest, most important ingredient is what problem are you solving for people? Is really having the clarity of, if somebody looks at the book, do they go like, oh, that's interesting, I have that problem. Um, And I I went through, uh, I kind of went through this with a guy I did some coaching with him. He, he wrote a book about um, the experience he had becoming closer to his daughter by texting her. She's a teenager. They like never talked and he learned how to communicate with her by texting. So, but he had a subtitle that was like, like just this really weird kind of um, amorphous subtitle about a father's gaining, gaining wisdom as a father. And I was like, no, no, no your book is for dads who need to communicate with their daughters. You have to have a subtitle that shows somebody like, oh, I'm a dad who doesn't, who can't communicate with his daughter. I need this book. Right. 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 So, um, so I really like your title. Um, And I think your subtitle is good as well. And I think um, it's, it's for, you know, just always have that clarity of what problem am I solving? And then who am I solving it for, and where where do they hang out? Those are the, we call this problem and prospect. Um, those are the two big ones. And then in terms of your content, I think um, I think having like there's so many different ways to do it. Uh, you could do it almost like questions throughout the whole thing, like asking questions and then having answers to those big questions. Like, uh, well, isn't 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 salesy? Uh, isn't sales just kind of a, um, a creepy profession and, and I shouldn't go into it. No. And then you like build the case or you could have, um, the quality, the 12 qualities. I mean, there's all kinds of different ways that you can package it, but pretty much, I think you're on the right track of, Hey, you've got this chunk of content, you make your case, and then you have all, all the examples from, you know, six or seven people kind of backing you up on that. Right. So it sounds like, it sounds like you know, you're, um, you're doing well. The only thing, the only caveat, and again, I'm not going to try to sell you in a short book, just know that you don't have to make this 240 pages.
0: Right. And that's what, that's, what's kind of scary too, because i was listening to some, um, uh, I don't know if you, you, know, JT McCormick over at scribe. Um, I know scribe well, don't okay. know him. Okay. So I think he's maybe the CEO or something. I was listening to a podcast with him, um, a couple of days ago going through this pro- process. And I'm thinking, he said, one of the biggest things that, that they reject people on is that they don't have a big enough, enough content for a book. And I'm thinking, oh my God, do I have this? Is this me? Am I, should I be worried about this? <laughs> yeah,
1: no, 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 no. Um, Tyler, I'm telling you that- um- Listen, I, every, sometimes um, when you have, like, I'm going to be the short book advocate. Um, In fact, we started a publishing company called Success in 100 Pages. And the reason we started that company is because we've published books for other people. Every book that we do is between 100 and 120 pages. And the reason is that there not trying to solve the world's problems in one book, right? It's, uh, these books are very um, niche specific. Uh, Let me see if I have any on my shelf. Yeah. Uh, No, (laughs) No. I don't have any of the books we do on my shelf. Um, But they're very niche, they're very specific. And um, so you don't get, that is like that kind of New York Times, Wall Street Journal, kind of mindset about books and and if you want to have a book where people like the most important thing for a book the most important people think oh book sales no it's consumption the best thing that can happen to your book is that it gets read that it gets consumed too many people think that they have to write these books so they write a 200 300 page book and it sits on people's shelves because they were nice and they bought it and then they never read it why because they don't want to drag freaking thing around with them right. um but our book like and i'm not i'm not trying to pat myself on the back here but go for no because it's 80 pages we've sold over 400,000 copies why because we made it a short fable it's easy for people to read and it got consumed if we could have added 100 pages on the back end of all the all of the sales research and all of the stuff why i'd rather write three books and actually have them get consumed. Right. So 160 pages, 180, like total sweet spot.
0: Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for giving that clarity as well. I see we're at 431, are, are you, do you have a hard stop? I'm
1: totally conscious? fine. No, no,
0: no, okay, okay, I don't I want one to be conscious of that. Um, okay, so, okay, so I'm gonna consume all of this stuff. I, I'm thinking already of the marketing side of things. Like I said, I'm still doing some of the yeah. podcasts and trying to get people along with this. I'm a first time writer journey come join this with me. So I hope yes. that's, I'm trying to think of it early, but really to get to to some like target audience. I mean, because I think that, I mean, I'm still so young in my career, right? I'm three years out of college. So I think obviously a lot of the people that I'm gonna be focusing on are those college age kids who don't know what they're doing and why sales is a great profession. Mm-hmm. I wanna talk about um, even in high, uh, you know, I think that this could be my play towards parents of, you know, kids need to focus on what they're doing in some of their first jobs because I have so many different stories of, it's so important to, fo- you know, you're getting 8.50 an hour for these jobs, like your first job, but there's right. so many skills that you could learn in retail that you're going to use in your career. Yeah, so, like, I'm trying to focus a lot on some of that stuff as well. Um, and the other, the, you know, so I think that I'm trying to hit multiple audiences at the same time with that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, so what do you think, And now I don't know whether I'm, I didn't even think about like the publishing versus self-publishing. I hear some people say you need to get a publisher because this is what you need to do or you you shouldn't do a publisher because they're going to take all your money and you're not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say truly the big thing about this is like, I don't want to say I'm not worried about the money that I would be making because of course I want to make some money off of Mm -hmm. it. But I'm more focused on, this is going to set me up for a future of, Doing the public speaking, being an advocate for sale for the sales profession, and really getting out and and convincing people that say you need to get good at these skills, and that's like core the problem that I'm trying to solve.
1: Yeah, I like that. And don't be afraid to niche down and to say and to be definitive of like, listen, you're not going to convince someone of the caliber of Victor Antonio who has been in sales for 30 years. Like, let's just say that there's an avatar out there. There's a guy out there who's been selling for 30 years, right? He could be your father. You're not trying to sell this book to him. right? Um, You're trying to sell it to his son, right? Somebody like you. And so um, here's the good news is there's, I don't like to my my mind, I, I say, well, who's out there? Who owns that? And I don't think anyone owns that right now um and so you could own that and I think it's a great niche so in your marketing in your description you don't have to have it in the subtitle it doesn't have to say like a college student's guide to blah 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 or anything like that but I think like okay so what could you do to kind of make the cover scream millennial is your generation are you millennial
0: I don't know. I'm twenty. I'm almost twenty seven. I don't know what I'm considered. Like
1: right on the border. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. yeah. So, but but a young like not one of these boring salesy. You know the say the typical sales training book um, from a marketing standpoint. Like make it look young for sure. Okay. Right. Um. And and so there are ways to do that. And and also I would just add on the publishing thing. You totally could, uh, you know, you could go to a publisher. Um, as a publisher, I, like I would say, you don't need to. I mean, I've I've self-published um, every book that we've done, and it was for the control um, and the money, but it was also because we knew, and this is true for you, we did all the marketing. We were on the podcast. We were hustling this book. We were speaking and selling it in the back of the room. Like, the publishers will do zero marketing for you. Right. Um, not to mention the fact that it, it will add another 18 months on this project. Right. You know, right. so um, yeah, the publisher the, these days, no one, care. no one cared that it was self-published 20 years ago. I sold books to like major corporations and they were self-published. Did they care? They didn't even ask me. They didn't go like, who's this? Who published it? Right. We did. These books have been sitting in my garage. Like, don't worry about it. Just... Right here's 500 copies and they
0: bought them. So, And that's to another, the corporations, I think too, of like, you know, I think of my job, like when I'm starting in a sales position, like I think it'd be cool for leaders to, Hey, here's a book on, here's the things I know that you're in sales already, but here's the things that you're going to learn, focus in on some of these goals too. So I think another area of where I'm trying to think of like, where could I try to sell it as well? Um, But that that's incredible. Now I I really, really appreciate your time. I don't want to take up any more. Um, but where could people learn more about what you're doing and, and anything else that's going on with you
1: go for no.com. easy enough, <laughs> easy enough. Yes. I'm well-branded. So that's thank, the good news.
0: Thank you so much for your time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now keep me posted on your project. And if you have any publishing questions, um, in fact, uh, well, you follow scribe. So you, you, you're, you've probably watched a lot of, a lot of stuff, but if anything does come up, I mean feel free to message me and I'm happy to answer a question for
0: you. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking some time to listen to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please share it along with your friends. That's one of the best ways that we're able to spread all the lessons that you learned in this show. If you'd be willing, I would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That's another great way that we're able to get more incredible guests on the show and also expand the reach of the show as well. Until next time, cheers.